Father God, thank you so much for being our Father, for being a good Father, for just loving us. I pray for today's service. I pray that your Holy Spirit will move upon us, uh, fill us, lead us, and guide us through this service. Open our hearts and our minds to what you want us to hear and see. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> How's everybody doing this morning? Good. good. Hey, I heard some goods. That's good. Um, if you have your Bibles, um, turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be kind of looking at the very end of chapter 5 there, um, starting in verse 16. But um, if, if you haven't, go ahead and turn there. Um, hold on for a second. Um, I don't usually normally start a sermon out this way, but I really felt like God was laying out my heart this um, last couple of weeks as I was preparing for this. Um, some of you guys know Eric and Hannah has moved to, to Buckhorn, and uh, so they had the, the move this weekend, and uh, it worked out very well for the choir to come in last week, <clears throat> and uh, for them to get everything packed up and uh, this weekend move, and uh, so I had a little bit of time to think about what I was going to talk about and, and pray through some things, and uh, I really felt like God was laying on my heart to share part of my story, uh, to share just a little bit of who I am, and uh, really, it, it, um, a lot of you wouldn't know this by looking at me, but I, I was born with a birth defect. Um, I was born with club feet. Now, club feet is a uh, uh, deformity of the feet, obviously, and uh, the feet actually are twisted, usually inward, and mine was pretty severe. Um, I, I started asking some questions. Uh, actually, what triggered all this was I was talking to one of the aides where I'm a, um, at, at, at Scenic Point. I'm a chaplain there, and one of the aides' sons has a club foot, and so I was like, oh, man, you know, and, and it, it really piqued my interest, and then I started talking to mom about it. And mine was pretty severe. My, my uh, left, on my left foot was the worst. My big toe was laying on my ankle when I was born. Yeah. And the other one was pretty severe too. So looking at me right now, you'd be like, there's absolutely no way, right? Um, so the first year of my life, I was in casts. Uh, they, they tried to correct it by casting my feet. Uh, at about 13 months, they said, this isn't going to work, and we have to do surgery, and it was at Akron Children's, and I have the scars to prove it. They cut from the back of my ankle all the way up through the, the middle of both my feet, and mom said that the tendons and the muscles and the bones were all kind of twisted, so they had to kind of rearrange a bunch of stuff and to get my feet back in order to straighten them up. And then right after surgery, they actually put a metal bar in my foot to keep it straight, and then they cast it again. And um, that went on for a little bit until it healed up enough for them to take the metal bar out. And then I got to wear, um, and I vaguely remember these shoes. Uh, you guys remember Forrest Gump? Anybody ever watched the movie Forrest Gump? Do you remember the, the, the shoes that Forrest Gump had with the big braces on the side? That's the type of shoes I had to wear and the braces I had to wear up till just before I went into kindergarten. And, um, and by the grace of God, I was um, released into regular shoes. And uh, 
by the grace of God, I, I have straight feet. Uh, no one would really notice it um, looking at me today that, that my feet were completely deformed. And, you know, thank God for the doctors. One thing I wasn't aware of at all when I was talking to mom this week about it was uh, they had great, great insurance. Uh, <laughs> their insurance would not cover me, the baby, till nine days after I was given, after birth. And since I had a birth defect, it was a pre-existing condition. So the insurance would not cover any of this at all. Um, they absolutely nixed everything. They, they said, um, since he has a pre-existing condition, no, no go. And so they were, for a while, scrambling, how are they going to pay for everything? And um, luckily, once again, through the grace of God, connections with people, um, the Crippled Children's Fund kicked in and paid 100% of everything that was needed, which is amazing itself. And uh, that story itself, with just, just how mom and dad were connected with certain people, allowed that to happen, was really, truly amazing. And um, so I just, I just thank God right now, and I never want to take it for granted, every time my feet hit the floor, that I can actually walk, that I can get up and walk and, and, and um, buy normal shoes, um, buy the same size of shoes. There, there are some people that have gone through this surgery that you have to buy two different pairs of shoes, two different sizes, uh, because one foot is smaller than the other. So I have a lot of things to be thankful for, just in the physical realm. You know, and that's part of my story. Uh, but as, as we go into 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in 16. This, this right here is, if you have been born again, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, this is my story spiritually, and this is your story spiritually. This is what God has done and is doing through us. And, and so... Um, I want to go ahead and read this um, once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 21. <clears throat> so now, on we, we guard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do not so longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Once again, just, just a, a awesome piece of scripture right there. And I really see three things playing out in, in, this, in this, just this little piece of scripture right here. And that is that, that the gospel gives us specific things. First off, the gospel gives us a new life. The gospel gives us a new life. We are now a new creation. It also gives us a new heart. The way we look at God, the way we look at people around us, 
we're going to look at them differently. And then number three, he actually gives us a purpose or a mission. You know, as, as, as we look at this and it says, you know, we, we, we are now a new creation. The fact that what Jesus Christ has done for me, he took on my sin, he became sin, he became my sin, and went to the cross for me. He went to the cross for you. And now we are a new creation in that. That in itself, you know, a lot of times we, we throw salvation around so much in the church. And we should, we should. But sometimes I think we can take it for granted. Just like I can take my, my feet for granted. When I get up in the morning, I don't always think about the fact that as my feet hit the floor, that I should be very, 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 very thankful for that. You know, we, 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 we say John 3, 16. It's probably one of the most famous verses ever. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. What is this everlasting life about? Is it, is it just getting out of hell? Is it having a mansion with the streets of gold and a pearly gate? No. I mean, that's, that's part of it, guys. But, but really, we get God. We get God. The creator of the universe. The creator of the universe. We can't even wrap our human mind around we get to have a relationship with God. And just like that song, we get to call him Father. We get to call him Father. We have a relationship and fellowship with Almighty God. We can go to him in prayer even. We get to talk to him. Why can we call, why, what gives us the right to even talk to him? It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has reconciled us to him. He has given us God. You know, my feet, they're a miracle, right? But what's the bigger miracle? The fact that I once was dead spiritually, completely separated from God. And now I have a relationship with God. That's, that's the miracle, that's a true miracle. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, you have the same miracle in you. And sometimes I think as a church, we can forget that. Or we can just take it for granted. You know, I've been to going to church all my life. You know, I, I just, you know, I'm just kind of trudging along here. But every single one of us has to come to the place where we have to make that decision. And who really gets the credit for that decision? Is it us? That would be like me taking credit for my feet being straightened. It's all totally God doing it. It's all totally God doing it. Part of, uh, another part of my story is, is probably mm, before I was in, even in school. And um, the, the Sunday school teacher one, um, one Sunday was talking about Jesus. 
and uh, I went home, and I was, I was just really thinking about it. I, was, I remember, I vividly remember coloring a picture, and I, I think my mom and I were the only ones home, and I just remember saying, I love Jesus more than I, I love my mom. And at that time, you know, who's the most important person in your life? Your mom. And I remember something just compelled me to get up, to go tell my mom, I love Jesus more than I love you. I believe that was my first public confession of Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't, at that point in time, didn't know about total depravity. I didn't know all these theological issues. But at that point in time, I believe that the Holy Spirit, I believe God grabbed a heart, hold of my heart and made me alive. That is a miracle. That is a miracle that God takes something that was completely dead and stinking, me, and breathes life into it and gives, gives me life, gives me him. That is a miracle. And we should never, ever, ever take it for granted that he loves us this much that Jesus comes to earth, takes on my sin, becomes sin, so that I can have his righteousness. Once again, salvation is about getting God. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to think about that. Let's never take that for granted. The second, second thing I want to talk about is, is it gives us a new heart. If we look at that in 16, it says, So now on, we regard not, uh, no one from a worldly point of view. So many times we still regard people from a worldly point of view. I too many times judge people by what they drive, where they live, maybe what kind of household they came out of, how they look, you know, what they smell like. That's not what God looks at. God sees people that need him. And I really, I really believe that the new heart that he gives us really can come, come back to what Jesus was talking about when this, when this uh, young man comes up to him, this rich young ruler comes up to him and says, Jesus, you know, um, what's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? And Jesus is like, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you two. Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and all your strength. And the second is like that. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the most important. Everything hangs off these. All the prophets, all the commandments hang off these things. And I believe once, when, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, when, when we are born again, when, when we are made alive through the Holy Spirit, we have a new heart. And that first and foremost, that heart is for Jesus. 
I love Jesus everything I have. We as, as believers in, in, in Christ, we as followers of Christ, and we as disciples of Christ, that is what should motivate us more than anything else is the fact that we love Jesus more than anything else in this world. And out of that motivation is us loving our neighbor as ourselves. Loving others around us as ourselves. You know, who's our neighbor? That's probably just about anybody and everybody you run into. Do our hearts break for our community? Does our hearts break for people that don't know Jesus? I know we live in Holmes County, and... Uh, we live in a very religious community. We, uh, you know, Millsburg alone, I think, has eh, probably 20-some churches within the corporation limit. That's just Millsburg. I'm just using Millsburg because that's where we live. Do we realize there's people that still have never heard the gospel? that have absolutely never heard that Jesus loves them. They may have heard the rules, they may have heard the regulations, they may have heard, you know, you need to do this and do this and do this and this. But has anybody ever known somebody in the community that doesn't know Jesus? And I'm telling you what, there is a lot of people in Holmes County that have never heard the good news uh, the true good news a personal relationship with God they, they don't know it they may have heard about it. it it's almost like I've used this example before um, I can tell you who Abraham Lincoln is and was but I didn't know him and, and I think for, for a lot of people a lot of people they hear about Jesus but they don't really know him they can tell you all about Jesus but they don't know him as a personal friend. They don't know him. Do our hearts break for those people? Does it break for the community that we live in? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Christ's love compels us. And, you know, I believe that Christ's love compels us to share the gospel. If we, if we ourselves have been in a place, and we were, in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about how we once were completely separated from God, because uh, from God, in our sin, we all were there. And if we've put our trust in Jesus, we no longer we move from death to life. There are so many people in our community that still are in death, that are dead in their transgressions, are dead in their sins. You know. Um, <clears throat> We, we as the elders, we, we have, uh, 
usually weekly meetings uh, every Monday. Um, we, we got together with our wives here. Uh, the other Friday night, we had them over our place. We had a cookout. And we were just kind of sharing some things. And uh, I, I, I shared that I always feel like there's a tension within the church. And I, I love church. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to negate the fact that we need church because we absolutely need church. Absolutely need church. I love Mercy Hill. So hear me when I'm saying this. Sometimes we can look too internally and not looking enough in our community. And that, that usually is a tension for me as an elder at Mercy Hill. I, I know that I, I'm, in, I'm, I'm one of the shepherds here, and I, we need to shepherd people well in Mercy Hill, but there's always this tension within me of eternally looking at the church and, and, and helping people through things, but there are so many people, so many people in our community that are lost. And my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for them because, because they need to know Jesus. Are we, are we there? Does our hearts break for our communities? Does our hearts break for our, our friends and our neighbors and our, our, our co-workers? that don't know Jesus, maybe even family members. Third, um, the third point I'd like to talk about is it, it, gives us, it gives us a mission or a purpose. And, and we saw who we are in Christ. And, and I think, I think this, is, this, is, this is so important for us to, to wrap our brains around this before we, we proceed down this, this road of purpose and mission. Because I think we can get this so mixed up. Um, there's things that can happen here. We can either be identity-driven, right? Or we can be purpose-driven, and what I mean by that, and I'm going to try to, try to communicate this the best way we can, I can. Um, we're either going to be working towards something, or we're going to be working out of something. And so what I mean by this is the fact that, who am I in Jesus? Who does, Jesus, who does God say I am because of Jesus? Well, I'm, I'm adopted into his family. I am a new creation. I, I, am, I am no longer the old Matt. I am the new Matt. Jesus has is, is, is been working in my life and doing things. And, 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 and so, so many times though, religion, religion will go the opposite way here and say, okay, Matt, you're, you're a sinner, which is right on. Now you need to do X, Y, and Z to get to God. You need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you need to do this to try to achieve something, to try to be in good, God's good graces. Does that make sense? 
I don't know, maybe, maybe you guys haven't grown up in that kind of atmosphere. Uh, the church I grew up in, that, that was a lot of preaching. Um, a lot of preaching I heard was that God did this for you, so you need to start doing your part. You start needing to toe your line so you can, you can make God happy. And that's not the gospel. That's absolutely not the gospel. The gospel says, look, Jesus has done it all for you on the cross. And you are now a new creation. You are totally different. And out of that, out of that comes my purpose and my mission. Not the other way around. And, and so this is so critical for us to understand. If we don't understand who we are in Jesus, then we are never, ever going to be able to really do anything for the kingdom of God. Because honestly, there's absolutely nothing we can do for the kingdom of God in myself, in my flesh. The only way that the kingdom of God is doing something in this world is me letting go of control and allowing him, the Holy Spirit, to work through me. So it's no longer me trying to do something for God. It is the Holy Spirit actually working through me. Um, a prime example, I, 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 I love this story. When I started at the, when I started <clears throat> at the nursing home, I had a nurse pull me aside, and, and I've been here about four years now. Pull me aside, and she looks at me, and she started asking my credentials, which I really don't have any, except I love Jesus. And she started kind of grilling me, and she looks at me, and she goes, I, I don't think you're going to do a very good job here. And I just kind of looked at her. I mean, you know... Have you ever met somebody like that, just, just like so brutally honest? And I, I just grinned at her and I said, you know what, you're right. I said, I absolutely won't be able to do a good job here. And that's why I'm trusting that God's going to work through me to do something here. Fast forward about six months later, and she, the same nurse, same nurse pulls me aside and she goes, I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. I wasn't sure about you there for a while, but you're, you're just, you oh, I just, I just, I just thank you. And I look at her and I say, well, thank you for that. But I said, honestly, it's not me. It's God. And I, I think, I think she had a weirder look the second time around <laughs> than the first time because she didn't get it. She absolutely didn't get the fact that God was working through me. She recognized something was going on, right? But she didn't, she didn't completely put the dots together that actually it was me just letting go and letting the Holy Spirit work through me and, and you know and, and man I'm, I'm saying this because God gets the glory for this God completely gets the glory for this um, worship team you can come on up you know you may be sitting here today and you're like, yeah, you know, this sounds good. <laughs> um, 
I, I, but you know, I'm not a, I'm not a clergyman. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, uh, I'm not even trained. What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? We are therefore God's ambassadors. What's an ambassador? God's representative. We represent God. If, if, we're, if you're born again, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, if, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you are God's representative. And God wants to use you. Wants to give you purpose. And you're like, you may be sitting there and saying, hey, you know what? I don't want to go to Africa. <laughs> you don't have to go to Africa to be God's ambassador. You don't have to be uh, going across the ocean. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe God will call you there. But what does it look like to represent God in our everyday interactions? What does it look like? We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives. And no matter where we go, he's there. Most of you guys are probably going to get up tomorrow morning and go to work. How many of you get excited about getting up and going to work tomorrow morning on a Monday? <laughs> I think I saw one hand. <laughs> What, what would happen? What would, what would happen if we would look at going to work not as, I got to go punch the time clock, but this is where God's put me in my mission field. This is my ministry. This is my purpose to represent Jesus. To show people that Jesus loves them through our actions and through our words. Would that change things? And this is, this is really what we're being called to do. To go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel. This is what it's about. And so, can you imagine getting up tomorrow morning and getting excited because, man... Maybe, maybe God's going to give you an opportunity to share his love with somebody. Maybe it's going to Walmart. How many of you guys like to go to Walmart? <laughs> I know Kyle does because he works there. <laughs> but, but, you know, how many of us get excited about going to Walmart? In my flesh, I hate it. Because they're always moving stuff around and they don't have the stuff I want, and I have to look around for a while. But honestly, guys, if we can start thinking about the fact that Walmart is a mission field, <laughs> would that change things? A couple, couple eh, about a month and a half ago, I actually um, encountered a guy. I went, we went down to Cabela's. And I, I love going to Cabela's. Don't usually buy a whole lot. 
because stuff's expensive, but I love going there to look around. And right next to Cabela's, there's, there's another, and this is down in West Virginia, there's a, there's a shopping mall. And um, so after Cabela's, my wife and I went over there, we ate, and then uh, we went to a couple, bo- uh, couple stores. I went to the bookstore. I love going to the bookstore. And uh, I automatically went to the, the magazine rack, and I was looking at, at gun magazines. And all of a sudden, I have this guy come up beside me. And he starts the conversation off kind of weird, but it was, it, was, it was cool. He was like, hey, man, I really like your beard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we started talking. And one thing led to another, and uh, he found out what I do for a living, you know, pastor and, and a chaplain. And he's like, oh, he got kind of excited. He's like, you know, my wife and I, we're, we've been kind of looking for a church. Now, they, they live in West Virginia. I don't, I, I don't think they're going to commute to Mercy Hill. But we started talking. We exchanged numbers. We've, we've texted back and forth a little bit. I, I was not expecting to talk to some guy in the magazine rack down in West Virginia that day. But it happened. And the one thing, he looked at me later and he goes, just before we, let, you know, just before we exchanged numbers, he goes, man, are you, are you always this friendly? I was like, I, I guess so. I don't, I don't know. I, you know. But you know, once again, that's, that's not my human. Uh, that's, not, that's not my flesh. It's, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to, in our everyday interactions at work, at Walmart, maybe it's at the airport, you know, you guys remember the story that Rebecca had, where she met that lady at the airport, and they connected, and she's, she's built a relationship with her, I think she lives in, down in Texas, opportunity is everywhere, guys, opportunity is absolutely everywhere we go, because the Holy Spirit's in us, and he's leading us, and he's guiding us, day by day. Moment by moment, step by step. We just have to be aware of when those opportunities present itself. It's my prayer. It's my prayer that each and every person at Mercy Hill, if you call yourself uh, a a family member here at Mercy Hill, um, it's my prayer that each and every one of us here at Mercy Hill has somebody, has somebody that we are building a relationship right now that doesn't know the Lord. Because really, that, you know, that, that's what it's all about. That's what kingdom growth is about. Is sharing the gospel with those around us. And realizing that God, God wants to use us. He doesn't need us, right? Um, where I was raised, you know, we... I often thought of God as like this, this Uncle Sam's poster uh, back in World War II. You know, we want you, we need you, right? Um, the military would put out this campaign and you, we, need, we need you, we need you to do this, we need you to do that. This is the thing, guys. God absolutely doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. But he wants to use me. He wants to love me first and foremost, the relationship but out of that, he wants to use me. 
He wants to use you. And so it really is my prayer today that we at Mercy Hill will be aware of what God wants to do in our community, predominantly loving people, and that we will be open to the Spirit wherever He's taking us. Be that in our job, be that at Walmart, be that in the airport, wherever He takes us, that we will be open to what He's doing and allow Him to work through our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us and that you care about us and that you have